0: And welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase, and I'm one of the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. Liz isn't with us for this episode, but don't worry, she'll be back next week. On today's episode of Spawned, I will be talking about putting the joy, the happiness, the love back into parenting with Casey O'Rourke. She's a parenting coach and author of Joyful Courage calming the drama and taking control of your parenting journey. And as always, we'll close out our show with our cool picks and podcast of the week. We'll be right back with our guest Casey O'Rorty right after this. This episode of Spawn is brought to you by Picture Play, a fantastic ebook from photographer and mama for Jill Krauss. It will teach you how to take photos you love and want to share, print and frame with only your smartphone and a few free and cheap apps. Go to Jill Krause.shop, That's J I L L K R A U S E dot shop, and use code Spawned for three dollars off. This episode is also brought to you by Coding with Kids. They're live, week-long, online coding camps for kids that meet for 2 hours and 15 minutes each weekday. They'll have your young coder creating truly fun projects online with a small group of kids their own age. It's summer scream time that's fun and educational. Now through May 31st, sign up at codingwithkids.com and get their special early bird pricing. All right. So, let me tell you a little bit more about our wonderful guest, Casey O'Rorty. She is a positive discipline trainer and parent coach, and also the host of the popular parenting podcast Joyful Courage. For the last 20 years, Casey has worked with families as an educator and coach to broaden perspectives on parenthood, behavior, and relationships between parents and children. She is an ICF-certified life coach, and she holds a master's in education from University of Washington. Welcome, Casey.
1: Woo-woo! So glad to be here, Kristen. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, I'm so excited that you're here. And I have to say, while folks are listening, everyone has told us they love getting more podcast recommendations. So, of course, oh. you're listening to Spawn. You can subscribe to Joyful Courage right now while you're listening and add another awesome podcast to the mix. But, you know, let's get to our topic. We're talking about putting joy and happiness and all those wonderful things back into our parenting. But when we say we're going to talk about that, that means that we must be missing it (laughs) if
1: we're going to talk about putting it back. So I'm wondering, is that what you're seeing with parents, the ones you're working with? Well, you know, it's not so much that joy is missing as it is that there's this energy around parenting where it's this thing that we endure, Mm, right? We're in, we're enduring this period of time. And of course, not everyone, everybody's got a friend who's just totally blissed out about parenting, (laughs) but for many of my clients and my listeners, and even at times myself, there's this pull towards parenting being a chore Mm -hmm. and a lot of work. And it's this like really kind of weighted, heavy energy. And I really wouldn't say like, let's put the joy back into parenting. But what I would say is let's recognize that parenting isn't something that's happening to us instead it it we can come from the mindset that it's something that's happening for us. And from that place, we can influence how we are experiencing it versus feeling you know, like a leaf in the wind and the wind is whatever mood or challenge. Or a lot of times, developmentally appropriate behavior or response we are living with from our kids. See,
0: I love that because I was just talking to someone today about how a lot of the things that we see from our kids that are challenging and difficult and sometimes trying are actually them being A plus awesome kids. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like they're doing their job, and we forget that some of those things, a lot of those things that they're doing are developmentally appropriate, which means parents, you're doing a good job, but it doesn't come in the form of like
1: a trophy or a medal. (laughs) Right. We forget that our kids come with very limited life skills. Mm -hmm. And so they are intersecting with life, much of which is dictated to them. Like we're going here, we're doing this, you're wearing this, you're eating this, you know, and so they're intersecting with that the best they can with the tools that they have. And a lot of times that well, most of the time when they're real young, but even as they get into the teen years, I have two teenagers, you know, it's a limited toolbox. And so we get into the mischief too because we're taking their behavior personally, Yes, which is the (laughs) worst thing we could do. And it becomes about us and it becomes about how they're making us feel. And I think it's like, it's really a fertile ground for codependency and just handing over the baggage that we're carrying from our childhood and passing it on to our kids. So I'm just all about like, let's be aware, let's grow our awareness, let's get grounded so that we can be with our kids in their natural development and support and guide them through it. I
0: love that. So maybe not necessarily putting the joy back, maybe putting the awareness back into parenting. (sighs) Because I think, you know, everything I've read, we've had some wonderful guests on the show talking about working with teens. They have a very similar approach to what I'm hearing from you and that, you know, they're people, we're not surviving, like we're thriving. They're amazing Mm -hmm. human beings. And a lot of everything I've read, they want you to go through your own stuff. Like you as a parent who wants to be better at parenting, you are, especially your tweens and teens, like you've got mm-hmm. to look at your own stuff from when you were that age and see how that's influencing what you're doing. Now, I'm curious if you see so many people who are like just kind of along for the ride, right? Like this is the ride I've got to be on, even though
1: it's not really that fun. Mm-hmm. What's stressing people out? Why are people feeling this way? Well, I mean, there's a million answers to that question. I think that one thing in particular is is the idea that there's a right way of doing parenting, Mm. and along with that, that if you're doing it the right way, you must be loving every minute of it, and you must have children that are really well-behaved, motivated, and high-achieving, you know, polite, clean, And since the vast majority of us, if we are being honest, are not having that experience, (laughs) the conclusion then becomes that we must be doing it wrong. Mm, Right. So if it's messy, if our kids are making mistakes, then clearly we must have it wrong. And then along with that is the added pressure of everyone being fed, clothed, cleaned, nurturing our adult relationships, finding meaning in our work. I mean, it's a lot of pressure. But what I'm finding and the message that I really am putting out, especially these last six months in some of the work that I've done is the messiness of parenting is not an indication that you're doing it wrong. Mm. You know, it can be, but you could be doing everything, quote, right, whatever that means, And your kids are still going to backtalk. They're still going to not want to do chores and laundry. They're still going to, you know, make mistakes. And depending on how old they are, some of those mistakes are going to send you right back to the mistakes that you made. And then all of a sudden there's this fear thing, which we'll talk about later. But (laughs) it just becomes this like spiraling out of, oh my gosh, and then you know, there's that underlying stress and that underlying, like, I am not enjoying this parenting gig and why didn't anyone tell me it was going to be like this?
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting the difference of, like, when you were a tween and a teen doing all these things and obviously now being a yeah. parent and watching it and seeing all the things that were so difficult for you, I feel like are magnified 400% when you're a parent of a, <sighs> especially a parent of a tween or a teen. But I love what you said. The messiness of parenting is not, not an indication that you're doing it wrong. Like, I hope people just really sit with that and let it soak in because I agree with you. I feel like, Mm -hmm. and you, we get judged by other people too. Like when our kids are out, you know, like my youngest can be pretty bold and brazen and I can see people looking at me and I'm just like, what's up? Like, that's just, that's how she is. Like, you know, and she has some expletives that she likes to pull out, but she knows Mm -hmm. when she can use them, which is in her room or in the house and not when Mm -hmm. we're out with family or friends. So, I feel like it is what it is. But I still, I still will have a, like a little twinge of like,
1: oh
0: man. Of course, yeah,
1: yeah. i like, Really? Do you do this with grandma and grandpa? Like, <laughs> do you really need to wear a crop top all the time? Oh, yes. Yes, we do. Oh, yeah, girl. Yes. You know, I love that I get to have a platform, and I I love that I get to speak to so many parents in the work that I do, and I love to show up really authentically just because I've facilitated positive discipline for the last 12 years. And prior to the teen years, I had this illusion that, you know, I mean, it's probably not going to be that hard for me (laughs) because I've been really a great practitioner of this work. And guess what? I have very normal teenagers, Mm -hmm. and they're going through individuation, and they are pressing up and out and against boundaries, and they're making mistakes and learning from mistakes and moody and all the things. Yep. So, yep. spoiler. <laughs> well, let's talk about <laughs> those mistakes that they okay. are making. I think one
0: of the big things that we've heard about lately are, of course, the helicopter. But now we're on to different equipment. We're on to lawnmowers now, lawnmower mm-hmm. parenting. And I think we're seeing this brought to life in particular with that whole college admission scandal. So, you know, parents, we want our kids. We want them to do well. We want them to be happy. But I don't know about you. It feels like to me that this has gotten, like, so far Out of whack like the way that we're trying to like help our kids do well and be happy is like we've gone like way past we're making up for what our parents did or didn't do and we're like running down the highway and we need to like back it up
1: (laughs) yeah Well, and I think, like, when I think about the college admission thing, I think that that's a conversation around privilege. Mm, Yes. But it is crazy. This whole lawnmower parenting thing, if listeners haven't heard of it, it's basically, like, smoothing out the path ahead so that there really aren't any challenges or barriers for our kids. And, you know, I think that it comes from the fact that a lot of parents don't want to be overly firm or overly controlling or rigid or mean right? I think a lot of us maybe were raised with that kind, that style of parenting. And so we know we don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. We want to be child-centered, right? We want to be loving and connected, but there's not very good models for how that looks. I agree. And so because there aren't very great models, we aren't really sure about how to do it. So the pendulum swings drastically from this like overly firm, overly controlling style all the way over to really like the helicopter the permissive style right that the idea that our kids should be happy all the time you know participation medals for everyone right and we have to manipulate the environment so that our kids are happy and um and it's a huge disservice to them it's it is. huge it is it is yeah because it's so hard to trust that fulfillment and life skills actually develop through adversity and challenge. Yes. like So uncomfortable for us. It is, yes. And then, because we are as humans, I mean, nobody's selfless, except for maybe Mother Teresa, who I just, somebody recently said, wasn't even a mother. (laughs) <laughs> Although, thank you, Mother Teresa, for all you did. But, you know, I mean, like, we're not selfless. We are all the stars of our own movie. Yes. And sometimes that really can get in the way, especially when it comes to being side by side with our kids as they navigate Challenge and adversity and their own discomfort, but this is the birthplace of resiliency. This is where character development happens. And this is where kids will start to bank memories of, like, oh, here's a new challenge, but I remember I had to deal with that thing and I made it to the other side and I actually learned some cool tools that maybe I can use now to get through this current challenge, yep. right? Or that was so disappointing and I lived through it and I'm okay. I'm going to get through this too.
0: I think those are fantastic examples. And it's funny, a friend of mine is a therapist and she talks a lot about having to sort of manufacture discomfort for a lot of our kids because they don't have, you know, you talked about privilege, like a lot of them don't have the same yeah. adversities, you know. My challenge personally is that I was raised in an abusive household, an alcoholic Mm -hmm. household. So I had so much adversity, right? Mm -hmm. And I do believe that it made me resilient and it taught me grit. And I have become who I am in part, actually in large part because of that. But Mm -hmm. I don't want my kids to have that kind of adversity. (laughs) It's like, can we pick and choose the discomfort and the adversity that they have? And so I don't know, have you encountered parents like that? where their, their own upbringings were just so harsh that they find it difficult to find that sweet spot of wanting to give their kids that discomfort and knowing how powerful it can be because they lived through it, but also like, please don't let it be as bad as it was.
1: Well, something that comes up a lot is um, is when parents have experiences of adversity in their childhood, whether it's, you know, absentee parents or neglectful parents or abusive parents or hard times with siblings, you know, and then they are living their life and Mm -hmm. their experience of being a parent. And then there's this fear of, well, I don't want my child to have to go through the things that I went through. Yep. Right. And what I always come back to is that's impossible because you're your child's parent. Your parents are not your child's parent. Like your kids are already having a different experience. Yep. 100%. So it's literally impossible impossible for them to end up with the same storyline that you have. That being said, I also have not really run into many conversations around, you know, life's too cushy. We've got to create some kind of discomfort. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that really, if that's the story, then my what I would just suggest is like, well, where are you doing for? If you're doing for your children things that they could be doing for themselves, like just stop doing for them. That is, I think, the intention, right? Like the
0: intention is like, you're going to have to figure out how to get yourself to gymnastics or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't drive you. Your dad can't drive you. Like, what are we going to do? Or or whatever it is. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, the discomfort for me, it doesn't necessarily need to be like an alcoholic father. Like, <laughs> right,
1: right, right. <laughs> like totally, it can just totally. be like,
0: I don't have the money to buy lunch for you. So what are you going to do? Like, you're going to have to figure that out. And then they're going to grumble and be
1: like, oh, I'm going to make my own lunch.
0: But then they're going to do it. And then the next day, it's not going to be as bad. Right.
1: Or it's like, I I can't believe I got this grade on this test. This isn't fair. Great. Do you want to practice talking to your teacher about it? Yes. You know, or you need a haircut? Great. Here's the number to call. I love it. Right? Yes. You know, discomfort doesn't have to be, like you said, this like big, (laughs) you know, heavy, like made it through, you know, that'll come. Yeah. Because we're all living a human experience. So we're all going to suffer hardship at some point or another. And if we can give our kids lots of opportunities to take care of themselves, to advocate for themselves, to, you know, speak up for themselves, to live through their experiences without putting, you know, Charmin all around them all the time, then they're going to be ever more prepared for when things get more real. I also want to say when I say let them take care of themselves, this isn't like, good luck. Right. Of course. course. You get to hold this responsibility, and I'm going to be over here in the corner. It's really (laughs) like, hey, this is yours Mm -hmm. to be responsible for, and I'm available to support you. Mm -hmm. And here's how you can ask for that. Yes. Right. But ultimately, this is your project. This is your appointment. This is your college application or job application. It's yours to fill out. So let me know if you have any questions. Absolutely. I love that. And those are the things, they seem
0: small, but like they're learning. They haven't done it before. And these are the lessons. Like to me, this is parenting, right? This is like in the trenches parenting. Like, nope, you're going to go order your fancy Starbucks coffee. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I am not going to order it for you. And if you want it, you're going to have to use your allowance. Like just the little things, the little things. Um, I know that that sounds so ridiculous. So that was kind of a joke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's funny though, because... We go to Starbucks and my kids, they look at me and tell me what they want. And I'm always like, tell her. I know. I'm not taking the order. I'm with you.
0: Okay, so you talk a lot about stress, right? And how our own stress affects the relationship we're having with our children. I have seen the physical manifestation of stress in so many ways in my life. I am 100% certain it's a real thing. And I know that I'm not alone. So I would love to know what you're seeing in the parents you work with and why it's so important. And I know this like self-care now has become this whole like weird thing that people are like, oh, I need to get a manicure. But that's not at all what it is. Like, Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to talk a little more about why it's so important for parents to take care of themselves and really handle themselves if they want a positive parenting
1: experience with their children. Yeah. So yes, stress is totally real and it can lead to very real health issues. There There's healthy stress that moves us along to make the deadline, and there's unhealthy stress that lays us out on the floor, right? And I think parenting is stressful, and that isn't necessarily a terrible thing until it is. I think the dark side of stress shows up when we're pouring out and pouring out and not making time to receive what it is that we need. And I think that when stress shows up as worry and fear, it can really derail us. We can get into the loop of thought that always ends up with somebody dead in a ditch. (laughs) Get out of my head. (laughs) Get out of my head. (laughs) It's a collective experience, girl. Yeah. Um, You know, and from there, there's that place of worry and fear. And again, those things are not good or bad. However, when they're showing up in a way that's taking over our thoughts and creating creating barriers in our relationships or, you know, stress that's making us sick, there's a problem. And self-care is absolutely a remedy for this. And I love what you said because I want to be super clear. Self-care for the sake of self-care or being like, oh, it's something I have to do is not as helpful as it could be. Mm -hmm. Self-care is about filling up So it's about meeting our needs for connection and mattering. All humans, we're hardwired to connect and we are always moving towards a feeling of significance and knowing that we have influence. And it's about coming back to that, coming back to that idea that we have influence on our lives and taking the needs of others or the feeling that we are responsible for others and putting it to rest so that yes. we can take care of self. Yes. So yeah, exercise, getting manicures, going out with the girls, do it. But do it really intentionally. Do it in a way that you are like savoring mm-hmm. this time that mm-hmm. you're taking, right? Celebrate. And be unapologetic. I've heard so many women talk about feeling guilty about taking time for themselves. And I just want to tell all your listeners to (laughs) knock it off, right? Because we're modeling for our daughters. We're
0: giving tough love. I agree. And I I like this idea of being very pointed about it because I have to say, I think we can easily fall into the trap of like getting a manicure and then, you know, like we're like on our phones and we're like scheduling appointments and like we're not really away. And I like this idea of like putting the responsibilities that you have for other people away. And I just went to Mom 2.0 in Austin Mm -hmm. and I was there for three and a half days and it was glorious. I sat outside by the pool and watched drunk people do really ridiculous (laughs) things. For like five straight hours, I had nothing to do, nowhere to be, nothing Mm -hmm. to take care of. And I can't tell you how amazing it was when I came back. I haven't felt that light. It was really a Mm -hmm. lightness. My kids were asking me things and I was like, no problem. Go for it. I was like a totally new person. Now, of course, we can't all get away for four days to Austin. But I will say this. I am fortunate enough where I could actually go away over overnight in like Philadelphia, which is near me. And that would be enough for me. But if I can remember that feeling and I can remember what it was that I did, and for me, it was like unplugging, not doing anything, just wandering around aimlessly, then I know that that's what I need to do to fill up my bucket again. Yeah.
1: And even getting a manicure, like keep your phone put away, engage with the person that's taking care of you. Indeed. Or if you don't want to engage like, you know, with language, just be in the energy of the receiving of some. like somebody is pouring out for you. If you're just intentional about a few moments where you just drop in and you say to yourself, oh, somebody is taking care of me right now. Mm. That's enough. That is enough. It's very powerful.
0: It's really powerful, especially there are many of us who are sort of parentless parents. Mm -hmm. And I think we don't have anyone who's taking care of us. I Mm. think of a lot of strong women, you know, that saying like, check in on your strong friend, when people tell you, check in on your strong friend, because your strong Mm -hmm. friend's doing everything for everybody else. And I think we, and I'll put myself in that category in particular, have a really hard time. Like we really don't have anyone who's taking care of us. We're the caretaker and we need someone. So I love that. Just like check in with that person. Be in in the moment. Be in the moment. Okay. You talked about past experiences and I want to bring that up because I was a therapist by trade a long time ago, have left that profession, but still have my training. And I feel like I'm very in tune with my past, but man, When I got some teenagers in my house, Uh, I had no idea. It hit me like a big, huge truck. So talk about how our past might be affecting the relationship we have and perhaps adding to the conflict that we're experiencing.
1: Yeah. So I am not a therapist. So I just want to say that straight up front. And I love humans and the human experience. And you know, what I've learned over time is that we all see the world out of the lens that we've developed, Mm -hmm. right? And our lens has developed through our experiences and our relationships, early years, teen years, early 20s, depending on how old we are, it's always developing. And it's developing because of how we are experiencing the world, right? And that's part of the reason that people have different opinions and different triggers. Like, I know some people could care less if their kids don't clean their room, Mm -hmm. while other people are so hardcore hung up about it, yes, right? And it's really interesting to me that two people can have two totally different experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating to me is digging into the idea that our response to challenges with our kids might actually have nothing to do with our kids, Mm. but instead... Everything to do with what that challenge reminds us of or evokes from our past. So <gasps> yes. I have an example. Okay, great. I have an example. Oh, this and is I a tough one. This, this
0: is a tough. It's one. so good.
1: Okay, let's hear um, it. I think it's really empowering when you start to see through this lens. So this comes out of my book. I wrote about this in the book. So I have a 16 year old, and now when she was 14, and at the start of freshman year, things were really challenging, mm-hmm. and it like a whole new way. <laughs> yes. And it was mind blowing actually. And during one of her, you know, a really big kind of fall apart, um, she was sharing some things with me. And then she started talking about, you know, that she didn't want to live with our family anymore. She said that and like everything inside of me tightened up. Mm-hmm. Like, I think of like, a, you know, like the Chinese handcuffs or whatever, when you stick your fingers in and then you pull it and everything tightens up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. The yes. Things. So that was like my core column, like felt like there was this tightening up. And I just, I didn't say anything, but I could feel that physical manifestation of fight or flight, fear, like it just, everything tightened up. And, you know, I stayed with her. We worked through the night and then into the next day. And I remember, I I thought to myself later on, I was like, wow, that was really intense. And I couldn't release it. Like Mm -hmm. I'm a meditator. I do yoga. You know, I could not release this tension in my core. And it occurred to me that she, at the time, was really close to the age that I was when I told my mom that I didn't want to live with her anymore and that I actually followed through and moved in with my dad, which Hmm. was the beginning of 10 years of distance between my mom and I. Yeah, And connecting those dots was really powerful. So the fear that was coming up for me as my teenager was just, you know, throwing out one of those things that they throw out when they're upset, and then we like cling to. Like, yes, it's we do. Truth and forever. <laughs> really, it had to do with this baggage that I was carrying and this fear that mm. I was carrying of going through the same relationship with Rowan that I went through with my mom. Now, granted, my mom and I are solid. Like, we are solid. But at that point, we hadn't really talked about that time. Like, neither of us. And I had, you know, in my own work decided, I I forgive her. I don't need her. Like, that's her work as far as coming to me and, like, owning her responsibility, whatever. I let that be hers. But what happened was I was on a walk, and I called my mom and I was kind of sharing with her about, you know, Rowan's having a hard time. And I wasn't planning on talking about this particular thing, but I started saying, like, she said she doesn't want to live with us. And then I just immediately said, Mom, I've never thought about how that must have felt for you when I said that to you. And and I just started crying. And I said, I just want you to know that I'm really sorry. And it opened up this unbelievable opportunity for us to heal. Wow! And yeah, and that was like one of many things that have happened because of my relationship with my daughter that have actually healed Mm -hmm. parts of my relationship with my mom. I just think it's so beautiful and powerful and very real, right? And sometimes, you know, depending on how painful those triggers, like what's coming up is, Mm -hmm. we can either turn towards them and get curious or it's too much and we just let's just push that back down. Yeah, And we don't have to do it alone either. It's not about like you connect your dots. Sometimes it's an awesome opportunity if you notice that things are coming up over and over again, like go find a therapist, right? Go find someone who can support you in making sense of what's showing up and, and healing some of those old wounds.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that certainly a lot of this is about us mm-hmm. and and really not about our kids. It's like, what we bring up and how we react, which speaking of which, I want to know what these three Bs are. I want our listeners to learn about these. So you've got three Bs that can change our reactions.
1: So let's hear them. Yes. Well, three Bs is a practice and it's a practice in mindfulness. And I use in the book, the metaphor of the emotional freight train, the emotional freight train, something that my son and I created, you know, because it was a metaphor for, you know, how sometimes you get so mad and then you just kind of slide onto the train and then all of a sudden it's the mad that's driving the train and you're breaking your toys or you're saying mean things to me or you're just out of control. And that goes for parents too, right? When we're on the train, we are definitely not thinking to ourselves, oh, I can't wait to tell everyone about this. (laughs) You know, being aware that there is an emotional freight train experience that we have and also being aware, okay, I'm on it, so that's the first piece, and then we get to decide, like, okay, now I know I'm on it, am I going to get off? Mm. And sometimes our answer is, hell no, I'm pissed, and everybody (laughs) needs to know, right? And then later on, we get to clean up our mess and make it right and be responsible, right? But more and more often, I would say, people, as they learn this tool, they're choosing into, actually, no, I I don't want to have a mess to clean up. I'm going to choose something different. And so the three Bs, the first of the three Bs is breath. -hmm. Yeah. And it's simply bringing your attention to your breath. So often we try to talk to ourselves about the experience that we're having, or like I have a very clear visual of like standing at the sink saying, you know, Casey, calm down. Like you do not need to be such a freak right now. (laughs) And the response to that is, No. Yeah. I don't care. I'm mad. You know? And so it's this dialogue that we get stuck in. So breath is we're going to bypass the mind and go straight into the physical experience, starting Mm. with breath. And then breath intentionally, if we can lengthen our exhales to be slightly longer than our inhales, our heart rate will go down. Like it's science. Yes, it is. So if that's all we do, we're on the right track and we're slowing down the train.
0: So we only need to do one B. Like if we can do, we, we, one B is good, right? Like I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, I've got to do so many
1: things. Right now. But I agree with you. Yeah. Just one thing, if just you can focus thing. on the breath. That's a great beginning practice. Okay, breath. Right? And then the next step, if you want to go a little bit higher level, is to ride an inhale into the body and just notice the places in your body where you're holding tension mm. and release it. Okay. Right. And so using the breath to release the tension, I always invite people to notice the small muscles on their face because I think we immediately go to like shoulders and neck and jaw. But even like the small muscles around our eyes and our forehead hold so much tension and tell a complete story to our children, by the way. This is true. (laughs) Unless one of your bees is Botox.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Correct. So true. (laughs) That's so funny. And then you're always happy. You're always looking at least not mad. But okay. So breath. I love that though. This is very much in line with like mindfulness and meditation. Mm -hmm. And I know you got more, but I do wanna say that as someone who has done these things, Mm -hmm. they totally work. And if you can do them. While the train, like before the train gets off the rails, you know, even better. But certainly they right, right. have a very totally. powerful effect. Okay. So oh, for here. sure.
1: For sure. And so you're in the body, you're releasing the tension in the body. And the point of that is to come to a more neutral experience. Mm-hmm. Because when we're all tight and all full of our angst, there are no solutions right? We literally can't tap into the part of our brain that can problem solve, that can have perspective. We're in fight or flight. And so the breath, the body brings us back to you know, a fully functioning prefrontal cortex, and we come to this more neutral space. And then the third B is taking the balcony seat, which is looking at the whole picture. And I think especially for those of us with teens and tweens. Yes. But toddlers too. There's so much happening under the surface that has nothing to do, well, I wouldn't say nothing to do with, but definitely fueling the behavior that's showing up. And what happens is we, parents loving, wonderful, caring parents, we get really caught up in the tone of voice that they're using, the language oh, they're using. We do. And,
0: we yes, do. And we all do. of a
1: sudden, that's what it, the argument becomes about. Like, you can't talk to me like that. You need to be respectful. Yes. You know, and yes. we're missing, we're missing this whole other piece of life that's happening for them that they're navigating, doing the best that they can and navigating it, just showing up. You know, in a way that we're perceiving as how could you treat me like this, right? So the balcony seat is this metaphor. For let let's take a broader perspective and let's mm. remember that there's a lot more going on than, you know, backtalk and defiance. Like, let's get Ugh. underneath that.
0: I love it. I was not Thanks. expecting
1: balcony. I didn't know where you were going, I have to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Balcony. But and who I doesn't like a balcony, that. man? I mean, yes. my, my balcony has like cute little tables <laughs> and some flowers. <laughs> no, but you're I mean, right. And something that you said, like the goal, of course, would be to catch yourself before you get on the train most of the time. Can we just add most of the time there? Because no one is perfect at staying off the train. But the more we can get to know our response and like how it shows up in the body and when we're starting to feel triggered and, you know, the more we get to know ourselves and become more aware of our own physical reaction, then the more opportunity we have to say, oh, look, my legs are hot right now can I go take a few minutes and calm myself down and come back to this challenge? Yeah. Or can I stand right here and do it? Can I just, sometimes, you know, my kids will say, I have to tell you something. (laughs) (laughs) And I think immediately to myself, feel your feet. Feel your feet on the floor. Be grounded. Because typically what comes out of their mouth afterwards, I am left like, right, really?
0: Yeah. So, well, that's yeah. I love those reminders. I think just it's very easy. Breath, body, balcony. Yeah. We can remember that. And I think that it's important what you said, especially is to not get hung up on those little things. I always think like, is this hurting me or them? Yeah. Or is there safety in danger? Or like, what? Yeah. what is it? Because if it's not, then like, let that go. Yeah, And deal with the actual issue. And you won't be able to if you're in fight or flight. You're right. right. Like you're in the amygdala, you're worry brain, yeah. you're, you're done. You're just trying to survive. Yeah.
1: And it's getting under the behavior to the issue is actually what's going to shift the behavior long term. Indeed. Indeed. So, I mean, if yes. that's the goal, then quit nitpicking at the, you know, we use the metaphor of the iceberg and we're like chipping away at the tip of the iceberg and then real surprised when the iceberg just keeps floating to the surface. So it's about coming underneath and really figuring out what's happening here. How can I support? What kind of support do they need? And sometimes they just need us to leave them alone.
0: That is is so true because guess what (laughs) sometimes we just need to be left alone like remember we're humans too so like if we're thinking hmm you know what I wish people would stop bugging me I think sometimes or a lot of times our teens and tweens and our kids are feeling that way too okay so you are a busy person I went to your website joyfulcourage.com you've got e-courses you do parent coaching so parents can work with you on their challenges you've got the podcast which people have already downloaded and subscribe to Mm -hmm. while they're listening. But you've also got a book. I do. Joyful Courage. I do. So, I mean... This book, what I love about this, you know, we're doing a book club with Cool Mom Picks. I think we need to put this into the mix, yes, honestly. It's a short read, man. It is it's a easy. short read. And that's what I was going to say. I feel like parents just want to be able to like grab something, get what they need out of it and like put it to work. So was that what you had in mind when you wrote this? Like, was that the purpose? Like, I just want to get parents as much help as I can in as little amount of words.
1: Well, totally. <laughs> you should have seen. I was so excited the day that my book team was like, okay, we found the perfect font size to make it 130 pages. I was like, okay, (laughs) great. (laughs) I feel like a lot of times I facilitate positive discipline, which is an entire program full of tools and strategies and fabulous. I did not invent it. It's created by Jane Nelson. And I love it. And at the root of it, it's super helpful. Mm -hmm. And to use it, and I think this is true for any positive parenting plan or program, you have to manage your own self-regulation. Got it. And so I felt like there was this missing piece, and I wanted to fill that gap with something. Like, my book isn't about, you know, what to do about backtalk and disrespect, and it's not about parenting tools that you use with your kids. It's basically all about the three Bs. It's about the emotional freight train. It's about getting to know yourself and your triggers so that you can be in the mindset to use these fantastic tools that, you know, know, some of our favorite bloggers and podcasters and writers are sharing, which are really fabulous tools. But when we're, you know, flying off the handle and you can't really deal with your kids, like you're not going to think, oh, this would be a great time for curiosity questions or some encouragement.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> that's a great it's just point. not
1: top of mind. <laughs> no, that's a
0: great point. And I think a lot of us are kind of bandaging, mm-hmm. right? And we're not getting to the root. So I love that you're really approaching it from that space. It is really about looking at yourself, taking stock and what's going on and taking care of yourself so that you can take better care with your family. And I love this idea of, like, this is a relationship. I still, like, that to me is, like, the most important thing is that if anything that I want to have happen, of course, I want my kids to be responsible human beings and loving and caring, but I want a relationship with them. Yeah. I
1: want to have a relationship. And they are going to be responsible, loving Humans. Like, there's no doubt. Right. Not when they're 15 and bugged at you. (laughs) Like, it just.
0: (laughs) The long game. Liz always says exactly. For the long game. Okay. So people can find you very easily, I see. So you're Joyful Courage on Facebook and Twitter. Instagram, you've got the underscore. So it's Joyful underscore courage. Your website is joyfulcourage.com. You can find your book at Amazon. You know, ask for it at your local bookstore. Head to your library if you have. Have yeah. to. And if it's not there, ask for it. But you can go to joyfulcourage.com slash book. And of course, we will link all of this stuff up. So you'll be able to find Casey. If you want to get more information, learn how you can work with her, of course, find her podcast and her book. All right. Yeah. So you're going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Excited. We will be doing those right after this. All right. So we love supporting small women-owned businesses, which is why I am so happy to tell you about our sponsor, Picture Play, which if you want to up your photo game this summer, you will want to get right now. The super helpful ebook features techniques that can be applied to any type of camera and all the apps are available for both iPhone and Android. It's an instant download and you can begin improving your own photos right away. Author, photographer and mom of four Jill Krause focuses on taking beautiful photos of your real life not just photos that are staged perfectly for Instagram. Don't feel like you have to rely on any filters to make your photos look good. Picture Play teach- teaches you how to shoot and edit photos that will look timeless and beautiful before you even apply filters. If you go to shop and use the code SPOND, you will save $3 off. That's Jill J I L L Krauss K R A U S E.shop. Use the code SPAWN for $3 off. For under $20, you're going to get a ton of expensive photography classes in one handy book that you can reference forever. All right. Well, now it's time for Cool Pics of the Week. Cool Pics of the Week.
1: Casey, you are our guest. You get to go first. Well, I love this opportunity to talk about something that I'm super into right now, borderline obsessed with, and that (laughs) is the law of attraction and Abraham Hicks. I don't know if your people know. Do you know who that is? No, not at all. I don't. I don't. Well, things might get weird here, but all right. So it's this couple, Esther and Jerry Hicks, and Esther is a medium. And so there's this group of source entities that speak through her. And and it's been, I know, it's totally crazy. And they've been, you know, touring the world for, I don't even know, last 20 years or whatever, and allowing this group of entities to speak through Esther. And it's all about law of attraction. It's about vibration. It's about, you know, manifesting what you want in your life. And so I bought this book called Money and the Law of Attraction. And it came with this CD that was excerpts of a workshop they did called The Art of Allowing. And I swear to God, I've probably listened to to it eight times. It's just on repeat in my car, and I'm learning so much. And I'm telling you, people, like oh. tap into the vibration, and you can create anything okay. you want in your life. So I'm totally here for that. Of attraction. <laughs> that's my. That's my pick. <laughs> it's not turmeric, but <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not turmeric. All right. Law of attraction. So, like, what are we talking about? I'm, like, looking for a book, a podcast, a TV show. Like, what am I trying to find? Just,
1: you know what? Just get money and the law of attraction, the book. Okay. Money and the law
0: of attraction. I'm sure our listeners are probably like, uh, how can you not know that? But like, I am so excited and I love that you're so excited about it, which means it's oh like my gosh. super awesome. Hey, listen,
1: we've manifested, we're moving in a month. I mean, it's been the crazy unfolding the last eight months, and I completely attribute it to getting more tuned into law of attraction. So
0: awesome. Okay. My pick is completely different, but that's okay. It's still very useful, and it's because it's tick. And mosquito season, oh. talk about a segue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but my kid already came home with a tick attached to his hand. It's like freaking oh, me out. Gosh. I know. We have a really great post over on Cool Mom Picks that actually has the best safe tick repellents oh. that some of them work for mosquitoes. And I just have to rave about one that I have used for the last couple years. It's by Sawyer, like Tom Sawyer. It's called the Fisherman's Formula Picaridin insect repellent. And it's actually, you can have it as a spray, but I recommend getting it as a lotion, which is brilliant. I think that's brilliant because trying to spray anything on kids to me, I don't know. I know it's supposed to be easier, but for me, like my kids are older, I just hand them the lotion bottle and it just seems like they actually get it on them instead of spraying it like all around my house. But it really, really works well. And of course, the best method for tick repellent is to wear clothing that has that Picaridin or Picaridin, however you say it, in it actually. I don't know if you knew
1: that. Did you know those clothings exist? I am not a tick person, so I yeah. I think I block everything out that has to do with ticks because yes. I don't want to have any right tick. No, no, you don't want that.
0: There's like one <laughs> level above bed bugs for me, like bed bugs. Oh my gosh. lice. Ticks. Ticks are probably worse than those two things.
1: We don't get a lot of ticks where we are, so yay.
0: Oh, well, that's good. We get a ton (laughs) over here at Stinks. We've got four dogs. So anyway, you can get this stuff, soak your clothes in it. You can actually buy clothing that's already been treated. But if you just want something that you can throw on your kids, I highly recommend it. Go to Cool Mom Picks. We will link all of these things up over on our podcast page. And you'll be able to, I don't know keep yourself and your family a little safer this summer. I feel like it's the season. Like we didn't get a spring where we are. It's just all of a sudden summer and all the bugs are out. And I want to mention every week we've been doing a cool podcast of the week. And of course, we've got Casey's podcast, Joyful Courage, But also want to give a shout out for our cool podcast of the week, the What Fresh Hell podcast. I Ah, love that name. Yes, I love them. I've listened to their show. Yes. So hosts Amy and Margaret are both comedians and moms of three, but that's actually where their similarities end. And I love this because I have to say, Liz and I tend to agree on most things, but it turns out that these ladies do not. Margaret is laid back to the max. Amy loves lists, research and planning ahead. So in each episode of What Fresh Hell, they discuss a parenting issue from their usually opposite perspectives, plus the accompanying expert advice that may or may not back them up. So you can subscribe to Casey's podcast. You can subscribe to Amy and Margaret's podcast, What Fresh Hell, on the same app that you're listening to spawned on right now. How convenient. Yay, do All it. right. Well, Casey, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. So fun. Thank you. Oh, it was great. And thanks to everyone for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. Of course, we love hearing from you. Shout out to the folks that have left us a review recently on iTunes. Make sure you're a subscriber. You can actually do that right now. And please be sure to download or save your episodes. Confession, I am not even downloading or saving our episodes. I am a very bad podcaster, (laughs) I admit right now. So from this day forth, I will be downloading to all of my podcasts that I listen to. And I listen to like 20. So I'm sorry, people that I listen to. I will be downloading your episodes because it actually helps other people find you. And of course, don't forget. We have a Spawn podcast community on Facebook. You can find it through the link on our podcast page or just search Spawned podcast community on Facebook. We would love to have you. We chat about everything we talk about here and, you know, anything else you'll want to chat about. Thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. Have a great day. Margaret Abels, I'm a mom of three, and I'm kind of like a laid back, I'm sure everything will work out just fine kind of a mom. I'm Amy Wilson. I'm also a mom of three, but I'm a little more of a planner, a header, expert researcher,
1: think about it all really hard kind of mom. You're a book reader. You love your books. I love my books. Together, we host the What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood podcast, where every week we take our totally opposite parenting approaches and solve a parenting dilemma. We've
0: solved travel sports. We've solved picky eaters. Yes. We've solved keeping your marriage alive while living with uh, small maniacs, which was an important one. That was very important. And we do it all with a little advice and a lot of laughs, plus some interviews with the experts. You can subscribe to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can find us at whatfreshhellpodcast.com.